This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grow New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and close to us, sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology. We retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 166 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we continue our look at Grania Whale, Ireland's Pirate Queen, uh, this is the climax of our Grania Whale cycle. This is the meeting of the two queens. This is Queen Elizabeth's meeting with Grania Whale. But first, uh, I want to give a big welcome to any new and indeed any returning listeners. If this is your first episode, at least I would recommend listening to the first Grania Whale episode and listening to what we've been building up to in the last couple of months uh, with our stories of the sea and our stories of Ireland's Pirate Queen. Uh, And if you're a returning listener, as always, thank you so much for your continued support. There are many ways that you can support this podcast. First of all, you can tell a friend about the podcast if you enjoy it. You can share it on social media. If you really want to support me, you could buy my poetry book, Garden Sea, which is available in paperback from uh, the headstuff.org and in Kindle form from amazon.com or .co.uk, whatever country you are in. All the links are in the description below. You can also support the podcast directly by joining Headstuff Plus, where for as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more if you want, you can gain access to not just bonus material for Headstuff or for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network, and there are more growing of them each and every month. Uh, there's constant incentives to join over on Headstuff Plus. And uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can fo- follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard and, uh, or email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com for all inquiries or just to say hello. And I want to thank you, uh, thank those of you that have reached out, especially in the last couple of weeks since the return of Fireside after the unintended brief hiatus of a couple of weeks. Um, thank you for your messages of support and condolences for my injury and for the loss of property that I experienced. Um, uh, your support is, is very much appreciated and I've loved your messages and for those who messaged to make sure that Fireside was still happening. It's good to know that it was missed. Um, I'm currently recording this from um, an apartment in Brisbane. Um, I'm still on tour with the world of musicals. We're now picked 23 shows into the tour uh, of Australia and New Zealand which is absolutely wonderful we've completed two legs we've completed our leg in South Australia and now uh, as of yesterday we completed our leg 
in Western Australia and we flew from Perth to Brisbane yesterday afternoon. Uh, so this is, we just have a day off today, first day in Brisbane. Brisbane's the last major city in Australia that I don't really know that well. Uh, so it's wonderful to get out and explore another new city. And we're here for a few days as well. We have eight days here. And we're playing in the beautiful Q Pack here in Brisbane in a few days with three nights there. I really, really can't wait. Uh, but we had a day off today, so I'm getting another couple of episodes of Fireside Recorded, which will get me about a month ahead of schedule, which uh, after having to take the couple of weeks off, um, which I didn't want to do and never want to have to do again, um, is really good to know that Fireside is well looked after into the future. So I'm going to record two episodes today, of which this is the first one. And this is this is what uh, I said at the end of last week's episode. Uh, this was the story I wanted to tell. This is why I wanted to look at Gronuel in the first place. Once I read Anne Chambers' book, Grace O'Malley, Ireland's Pirate Queen, and I read about this meeting that happened between these two queens, between Ireland's pirate queen and Elizabeth I of England, the most powerful woman in the world um, in the 16th century. This colossal meeting of these two titans of both folklore and very much real history. Uh, this had to be its own entire episode. And the Gronje, the look at Grania Whale just kind of kept growing and growing. And I'm so happy it did. Um, after waiting so long to cover Grace, uh, mostly because she is a historical figure and it was always going to be one that needed a lot more respect and tact handed to it. Um, it's great to be, have been able to give her the detail and the attention that obviously she deserves and I hope that uh, you all have enjoyed it. It's been nice getting your messages saying that people are enjoying the look at Gronia Well. Um and as I say frequently, I'm not a historian. I'm just trying to have a streamlined thread through these tales and trying to put a narrative on these various chapters and aspects of her life. If you are interested in the further reading of it, obviously I highly recommend you read Anne Chambers' book. Uh, the link is in the description below. Um, and I hope that uh, for those of you who, like myself, before before reading this book for the first time a couple of years ago, knew very little about this incredible, incredible figure, and not just as a woman, not just as an Irish person, but just like as a historical figure uh, to have really lived in the 16th century. Um, in, in the world history, it's, it's very hard to compare the life of Grace O'Malley with that of anyone else. Um, so it's been an absolute pleasure to have looked at her in such detail. But this was the story that I was really looking forward to telling. And this, it's always a good sign, I find, because uh, these episodes have been very difficult to write. They've been very challenging to write because it is history. And I'm trying to streamline events and not mislead. And just, especially with the more recent episodes where we had a look at um, at Gronuel's part in various rebellions, and that's when it becomes very convoluted and political. And um, so I hope I've been able to put some kind of streamline to it um but this episode essentially wrote itself this was the easiest episode on Gronuel to write so far um, and it's because it's the one i've been looking for the details just stuck in my mind and i wrote this episode uh by a pool in uh, in western australia i forget the name exact name of the town we were in we're just in a motel it's very rare we did be in a place that has a pool beside it never mind time to sit by the pool because we're traveling an immense amount 
we actually had a ten and a half hour drive um, from Kalgoorlie to uh, Geraldton the other day, which was mighty. Uh, that was an intense drive. So yeah, we haven't had a huge amount of downtime, but the couple of hours we did the other day, this was the episode I wrote, um, and it, as I said, just was so easy to write. And I hope you enjoy the results of it. This is Grainne Ail, the two queens on Fireside. Grainne Ail, the two queens. Grace O'Malley's empire lay in ruins. Ireland's pirate queen who had fought and endured and maintained the rugged western coastlines of Ireland for 40 years, had now had her lands confiscated, her ships impounded and her secrets discovered. Gronuel had faced imprisonment, narrowly escaped the hangman's noose, had lost two husbands, her son and countless nephews and cousins to death, execution and murder. And all was due in large part to the oppression of the English governor in Connacht, Sir Richard Bingham. Bingham knew Grainne Whale had power. He knew she was a threat, and he had spent his career personally decimating the O'Malley and Burke clans. He had crushed Irish rebellions, routed and destroyed the remains of the Spanish Armada, and although the O'Malleys had nearly succeeded in removing him from power, Bingham had been acquitted of all of his charges, and his power was now only growing more secure. Grace had no more allies. She had very little family. It seemed her nemesis Richard Bingham had finally won. At 63 years old, the future for Grainne Whale looked bleak. But Grace O'Malley was not about to conclude her 40 years as Ireland's pirate queen without a bite. After enduring and thriving in the dominion of men as English rule eroded the world of Gaelic Ireland around her, Gronuel made her boldest move yet. With Bingham at the height of his power, Grace's only option was to go above Bingham's head. Gronuel wrote to her perceived enemy, the Queen of England, Elizabeth I. Grainne Whale was a product of Gaelic Ireland, the rigid system of which was crumbling around her. Gaelic fights were local. They were personal. The Gaelic clans were about the individual and not the unifying community. This is why Gaelic chieftains would never unite together against a higher enemy. They were too busy fighting each other. With this in mind, Gronuel's quarrel was never with England, as it would be for later generations of Irish freedom fighters. Grace's fight was not with Elizabeth, but rather with her governor, Sir Richard Bingham. And the urgency for her to meet with the Queen of England intensified with one final insult from Bingham. Gaelic Ireland was in chaos. Local rebellions rose fought and collapsed. There had been the Desmond Rebellion, the Burke Rebellion, both of which had been crushed and both of which Grainne Whale had been involved with. But now the great threat to English rule in Ireland 
was to be found in the northern territories of Ulster. It was to be in allegiance with Hugh O'Neill, the most powerful of the Ulster houses, and Red Hugh O'Donnell of Tyrconnell. It was a growing insurrection that Richard Bingham in the nearby province of Connacht was eager to avoid. O'Neill and O'Donnell's soldiers were captured, interrogated and tortured, and eventually Tibbet Nalong, Gronuel's son, and the last hope for the Burke O'Malley power in Mayo was implicated in the Ulster Rebellion. It's unclear whether Tibbet really was implicated by Ulster soldiers, or merely framed by Bingham. But regardless, Grace's son was captured and imprisoned by her sworn enemy. With her youngest son facing execution, the time for letters and appeals was over. Grania Whale set sail for London. Although geographically relatively close, the voyage to England from the west coast of Ireland was an incredibly dangerous one, especially for an elderly pirate. The recent threat of the Spanish Armada meant the bounty and persecution of piracy were at an all-time high. Nevertheless, the threat to her youngest son's life ensured Grania Whale fearlessly made this perilous journey. And what's more, she captained the ship herself. Arriving on the bank of the River Thames in the summer, London must have been an astonishing sight for Grania Whale. The city was glorious, vast and industrious, but also foul-smelling and overcrowded. Quite the opposite world of Grania Whale in sparse and rustic rural coastlines of County Mayo. But Grace had not come to be a tourist. She had come to negotiate with the Queen. But naturally enough, this was easier said than done. There is only record of one other Gaelic chieftain meeting with Elizabeth I. The queue was long, and a much greater priority to the crown existed than Grace O'Malley. The Spanish Armada was growing once more, and the Protestant King of France, Henry of Navarre, had recently converted to Catholicism and joined the Spanish Crusade. The unity of these two powerful nations posed an immense threat to England. The squabbles of a petty Irish chieftain were minuscule in comparison. But Gronuel's secret passageway to an audience with the Queen came in the form of Elizabeth's closest and most powerful adviser, William Cecil, the Lord Burley. Elizabeth called Burley her spirit. He had loyally served her for 35 years. He had aided his queen in the defeat of Mary, Queen of Scots, her most dangerous rival for the throne. And now, at 73 years of age, gout had slowed him physically, but Burley's mind remained sharp. When Gronuel wrote to Lord Burley, she found that not only was the queen's adviser aware of the existence of Gronuel, he had been noticeably interested in her career. Maybe it was having spent a life serving another woman who had risen above her expected station in a male-dominated world that had made Burley so interested in Ireland's pirate queen. But there remained documents of Burley's comments and attempts to interpret the tactics and intentions of Grainne Whale. So when Grace arrived in London, Burley sent her a questionnaire to list who she was how she had spent her life 
and why she thought she deserved an audience with Good Queen Bess. In the document, Gronuel listed the accomplishments of her long career, of her two husbands, and most of all, her long list of grievances with Sir Richard Bingham, the current jailer of her son, Tibbet Nalong. Cleverly, Grace made little mention of any overtly anti-English aspects of her career, such as her piracy and her parts in the Burke rebellions. Her answers clearly satisfied and intrigued Burley and Elizabeth herself, because soon Gronuel received a summons for an audience with the Virgin Queen. A meeting between two of the most fascinating and interesting women of the 16th century, neighbours, enemies occupying two totally different worlds, now on the verge of a collision that would leave only one survivor, is one the world of folklore dreams of. Grace and Elizabeth were the same age. They had both achieved the impossible for women of their time through sheer charisma, acumen and determination. But their differences were also stark. Grace had led her men in countless battles, had ruled the seas, had two husbands, at least one lover, and had four children. Elizabeth held more power and influence than Gronuel could ever have dreamed of. She was beloved and feared by her people, the absolute monarch of the greatest empire in the world. But Elizabeth had never led her men in battle. She called herself a queen of the seas, but she had never sailed further than Greenwich in the southeast of London. She had held lovers, but she had never married and never had any children. It was seen that the cost of ruling England as a woman was that every lord saw Elizabeth as a lover, that all her people saw her as a mother. She was married to the state. Comparatively, it seemed that Gronuel was the real queen. It is said that when Gronuel first entered Elizabeth's court, the Queen of England had to raise her hand to greet her, Grace being the taller of the two. Elizabeth's makeup, wig, dress, and jewelry made her look as impressive as a Renaissance building and hid her age and rotten, blackened teeth. Gronuel, on the other hand, while no doubt in her finest dress, wore no makeup. Her age and hard life on the sea visible on her blemished, scarred face. Nevertheless, when Grace needed a handkerchief, and Elizabeth provided her one of silk, Grace used it and threw it on the fire. When Elizabeth told her that the handkerchief was to be put back in her pocket, Grace is to have said, In Ireland, we have higher standards of hygiene. During negotiations, Elizabeth was to have offered Grace the title of Countess in exchange for her loyalty, and Gronuel refused, saying that Elizabeth could not bestow a title on someone of equal rank. Such are the legends and tales of folklore, but what was certainly discussed was what Gronuel's aims and hopes for the meeting were. Grace sought the release of her son, and to be allowed to maintain the sea of the west coast of Ireland for the remainder of her life without the interference of Bingham. Grace used her advancing years to gain empathy from the English Queen. For all of her notions, nefarious and anti-English acts, the only one Elizabeth seemed to bring up at the meeting was Grace's persecution of her own son Murroch for allying himself with Bingham. 
Elizabeth seemed more intrigued, almost impressed, than critical. Gronuel would have no doubt assured the English queen that not even blood would stop her from achieving her goals and fighting her enemies. In exchange for these requests, Gronuel offered her lands, and the lands of her sons, to Elizabeth. She offered loyalty. This could have been seen at the time as Gronuel bending the knee to perfidious Albion, and could have marked her as a traitor. This could have been one of the main factors that had Grace O'Malley all but erased from Irish history. But Gronuel maintained that her fight was not with Elizabeth or with England, but with Sir Richard Bingham. She sought freedom for herself and her clan, freedom on her beloved dominion of the sea. One person who was not happy about any of this was naturally enough the English governor in Ireland himself, Sir Richard Bingham. Bingham had known Grace sailed for England and had written to Burley to try and preempt her verbal attacks on him. Bingham listed Grace's crimes and the threat she still posed to England as long as she drew breath. But Bingham had been unable to prevent the meeting of the two queens. After the meeting, Grace awaited Elizabeth's decision. Her fear was that Bingham would execute her son, Tibbet Nalong, before Elizabeth had made up her mind. Grace frantically wrote to Burley of how she desperately needed a response. Eventually, the answer came. Elizabeth wrote to Bingham and ordered the release of Tibbet Nalong and other Burke hostages. Gronuel was to be granted her confiscated widow's wage and to be free to maintain her land and sea for the remainder of her years. Grace O'Malley had risked her life and legacy to talk to the most powerful woman in the world and had achieved all she had asked for. The legend of the Pirate Queen, in Britain at least, was secure. But Bingham wasn't defeated yet. He knew as long as Gronuel was alive, she was a threat. Bingham awaited Grace's return to Ireland to attempt to ignore and undermine his own Queen's orders. To be continued. Hello, I'm Joe Rooney. And I'm Patrick McDonald. And we have a show called Talking Ted, which is a show about the memories, stories and insights into what has made Father Ted the egg sandwich of Irish TV shows. Yeah, we'll be talking through all the episodes and interviewing people who are on the show. And uh, reminiscing. I think we'll reminisce quite a lot. There's a lot of reminiscing. I remember that time, but not so much this time. Yeah. Yeah, I remember back in the old days, we used to reminisce a lot as well. You can find Talking Ted on the platform that you're listening to now because we are a podcast just like this podcast. So don't forget to uh, look us up. It's absolutely brilliant and it's out now. So listen. And that is the epic tale of the meeting of the two queens on Fireside. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Oh, yes. A lot to unpack historically and folklore wise. So we come from the two angles and this is where it's a real blessing to be talking about this on this podcast because if this was a history podcast, you know, I couldn't lean as much into the legendary stories and the stories of the folklore, but I can handle them, I can do them both. I can 
not mislead, not say one is one or one is the other. I'd like to be like clear on which is which, but I am, for the sake of the storytelling, able to lean so much in and let the fantasy run wild of this meeting of these two titans. This is Godzilla versus Kong. This is Batman versus Superman. This is Grania Whale and Elizabeth I. Just that this was able to happen, you know? Elizabeth very much was the most powerful woman in the world. This was late in her life. This was after achieving everything. This was the glory of Renaissance England all around her. The defeat of the Spanish Armada. She could not be more at the height of her powers. And Gronuel, comparatively, while we love her, was nothing to Elizabeth. Think about the, sp- the threat of the Spanish Armada and the growing now new threat between the Allies and between Spain and France. And then we have just this Irish pirate who is able to get an audience with this queen. And I have a very personal reason for loving how she was able to do that through the incredible, uh, the incredibly fascinating historical figure that is Sir William Cecil Lord Burley. I have a very, very biased um, love for Burley because when I was in drama school, um, I had the great pleasure to do um mary stewart the friedrich schiller play um which is about uh, the the fight between mary queen of scots and elizabeth I for uh, the throne in england in which i played william cecil lord burley and it was one of my favorite characters i've ever played and one of my favorite plays i've ever performed in if you ever get a chance to read it or see a performance of it i think i've talked about it on the podcast before mary stewart getting a good translation 17th century german drama i think it's 17th century um really meaty really dense stuff one of those ones I'm sure was probably more fun to be in than perhaps to watch, uh, but we didn't care. We just had so, so much fun. It's one of the first times I ever really felt like a professional actor, like a real grown-up big boy actor uh, was playing Lord Burley. Um, and he was, yes, this most trusted and most devoted uh, advisor and ally to Elizabeth for her entire reign. Um I've like saw her right up to very the very near end of her life, um, not being too much older than her himself. Um, I believe he's played by Guy Pearce in the in the Kate Blanchett movies. I haven't seen Mary Queen of Scots, this Tiersha Ronan, uh, Margot Robbie movie because uh, I don't believe it's to be very good. Uh, I could be wrong about that. As I say, I haven't seen it. I will see it at some point. Um, but he's usually um, Burley's usually in a few of those. Uh, any of those movies or TV adaptations of Elizabeth's life. Um, and yes, it was her, like Ronya Wells said of Burley that she was, he was her greatest friend in London. And without him, that she wouldn't have had this audience and wouldn't have been able to overthrow or undermine Richard Bingham's rule in, in Ireland. Richard Bingham just has become more and more into focus as just the big bad in Ronya Wells' life. He was her most sworn enemy. And as a storyteller, it's wonderful to have uh, this this figure, this uh, very easily dislikable figure, as we've seen from his actions in previous stories. But also, there's countless tales of Bingham trying to be, of English courtiers and English lords trying to remove Bingham from power. No one seemed to like this guy. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see Bingham's take on the whole thing. Uh, the long-awaited, like, Maleficent-esque uh, Sir Richard Bingham movie that says uh, how history did him wrong this whole time. But we have this big bad, this villain in Gronuel's story, and through Lord Burley, Grace is able to guess this audience with the Queen. And yeah, that's my own speculation, but there, there, there is this evidence of Burley commenting on and attempting to interpret uh, Grace's actions and her will, and he was very, very aware of all, again, the relatively petty squabbles of a local chieftain in just one of the dominions of of the British Empire. And yet he was acutely aware of her existence. So could it have been a lifetime serving Elizabeth, you know, this other this other once in a generation, once in a several generations woman who had done the impossible? Elizabeth's sister, Mary, had been the first, like, absolute monarch um woman in in england mary mary tudor but she had had a very short reign it was very heavily criticized she tried to make um england catholic again um after for her mother catherine of aragon um had ended up like burning loads of protestants at the stake married philip ii of spain um lost calais um like it's was not a very good rule and she died a very painful painful awful death um after about five years of rule but elizabeth ruled for 40 years and oversaw one of the most incredible and most accomplished uh, periods of history it is it's the elizabethan era like that's literally what the period of history is called and uh, elizabethan england and as I said before, it's the time of Shakespeare. I don't think you have to look much further than that. We're talking about the absolute height of art and culture um, in human history. Um, certainly from a literature, a playwriting point of view, this is where we have the world's greatest playwright and poet. And not just him, but countless others of this time. Like Christopher Marlowe and... Um, and Edmund Spencer, who wrote The Fairy Queen, which is about Queen Elizabeth herself. It's an incredible period for art and culture, and just for the city and the empire that Britain became and that London was. And then we still, still had this Irish pirate who had this meeting and achieved all she wanted, because this was a woman who had, had done the impossible as well and was at the same age, just happened to be the exact same age, I think... Uh, Grace might have been three years older, or Elizabeth was three years older. I think there was about three years between them. Um, and she went, risked everything in going over. She could have been captured, she could have been imprisoned, she could have been executed, but she took the gamble and it paid off for her. And we have, yeah, these stories of folklore that Grace was taller and that she was offered a countess ship, but uh, said that Elizabeth was a queen and she was a queen, so she couldn't bestow a title upon her, uh, the throne of the handkerchief. But we do for sure know that she did achieve these these wishes because Elizabeth, we have the documents of the English state that talk about, that have written down that this meeting took place. Once again, we have nothing, we have absolutely nothing in Ireland of accounts of of Grania Whale, but it's all in the English state papers, and we do have the England's protection of their history and how much everything was written down, and that she wasn't erased from English history, that we have any historical 
evidence for Granuel at all. And and now still at 63 years old, Grace is now returning home to continue. This isn't this her retirement plan. She's going back to the sea. She's getting back on it after having everything taken away from her and from losing a son and countless family and everyone dying and everyone being killed. But Sir Richard Bingham now isn't the one who's going to give up without a fight. So we have one more tale. We have one more tale to bring our epic saga of Grand Whale um, to a close. But that will be the week after next. Next week, we will have um, a wonderful river tale that I found um, called The Court of Crinon. Uh, Crinon is a new figure now. This is one of those ones that kind of blends the folklore and the mythology. But it is a folktale of County Mayo of Grand Whale's time. Another one that... I figure his nautical is sea, sea-themed. I've tried to keep them around the sea, rivers, wells, keep it very aquatic. But I've also tried to keep it regionally, very near Mayo, around Connacht, keep it in Galway, Mayo, Sligo, Clare. Um, and to try and find like old stories that I would have believed could have been around in the 16th century that Gronuel may have heard. Those have been my criteria for the kind of stories I've been doing around this Gronuel saga. And I believe this is another one of those, the Court of Crinon. So that will be next week. Um, so I'll wrap things up there. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, thanks again for all of your messages. Please do follow me on Instagram at FiresideBard if you haven't done so already. Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. Uh, subscribe to Headstuff Plus. Links are all in the description below. Five euro a month and you can pay more if you want. Um, buy my poetry book, Garden Sea. The links are in the description. Get it in paperback or in Kindle version. Thank you so much again to all of you who continue to buy it each and every week. I love sending it all over the world. Um, I'll see you all, you'll hear me all next time and remember wherever you are and wherever you go you can always join me by the fireside This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network a hub for the creative and the curious Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com